Welcome to another episode of Sensational Customer Experiences. This is the show where we explore the idea that everything your customer knows about you is a direct result of input from their five senses. It's what they see, hear, taste, smell, and touch that determines how much they love you. And now here's your host and consumer experience expert, Wes Miller. And I'm in Togo, West Africa today, and you're probably wondering, why am I in Togo? Well, I am here as a volunteer for a foundation that I learned about recently called Hidden Talent Foundation. It is an organization headed up by one of my guests here today that has the mission of assisting underserved children with their educational needs. I'm going to be speaking today with the head of the foundation, Dr. Ayeli Amavigan, and I will let her give us the opportunity to tell us more about the Hidden Talent Foundation and what they do. I'm also joined by uh, her husband, uh, Sam Levante, who they uh, actually met uh, doing this work, and so I'm going to let them speak to that. And I'm also here with another fellow volunteer, Pat Petit from Las Vegas. And I will, uh, in fact, why don't I just pass the microphone now and let everybody introduce themselves. Uh, Dr. Amadegan, why don't you start and introduce yourself? Hi, um, my name is Ayele Amadegan. I, um, I live in Las Vegas for over 20 years now, and I am the founder and the executive director of the Hidden Talent Foundation, an organization that we started in 2007 to help the children provide them with their educational needs, especially in the villages. It started out to be an international organization that for the past 10 years we have served Togo and Benin to West African countries. And our goal is to one day reach every single village throughout the world. Okay, and Sam, how about an intro from you? Yeah, hi, thank you. Uh, my name is Sam, Sam Levante. I'm Ayres Azman. Then she, she started uh, helping children, I think, 10 years ago. Okay, 10 years ago. And as it's a good thing, and uh, together we are doing it. Uh, I'm not doing it officially, but I'm helping, I'm helping her. And uh, I think it's good to uh, help you help children. Okay, thank you. I'm in I'm doing it. And Pat. <coughs> Hi, my name is Patricia Batti, and I am a mediator with the Clark County Neighborhood Justice Center, as well as a business owner in Las Vegas. Um, the name of my business is 702RC Raceway, and I am also a volunteer for the Hidden Talent Foundation. All right, thank you everyone for your uh, intros there. One of the things that I really enjoyed about this trip was, uh, you know, Dr. Ronald Vegan took us up to, we, we visited several villages while we were here, and we distributed backpacks and school supplies and bicycles and uh, some teacher supplies, various things that uh, were needed by the students. Uh, also, I know the foundation uh, behind the scenes of, of that 
process also uh, covers a lot of tuition that is needed by students. But one of the things that I noticed was how, when we think about a sensational experience, which is what this show is about, there was really a sensational experience created by the uh, volunteers and those who were part of this process. And I just wanted to throw the question out there of how did you know what to do or, or what triggered you with the idea of what, how to connect from a sensory standpoint with the children? And Patricia, we'll start with you. So one of my experiences um, was when we went to the villages, I first noticed the um, sounds around me. The first village we visited, there were um, people all around and they had a loudspeaker there with music playing and it just sounded like a, a jubilee. The kids were laughing and there was a lot of goings on. And so it immediately made me appreciate being there because um, I could tell they were anticipating us to come in and they were very excited when we got there and it was just a beautiful experience. So first visually, I, I noticed what was happening around me and also auditorily, I heard, you know, the sounds of the celebration that was happening to take the the supplies and what we did on that day to the children. Dr. Amavigan, what inspired you? I, I, I've read from your brochure, you have quite an interesting story. Is that partly what inspired you to do this work? Um, yes, um, from the beginning, education has always been my um, way out of uh, poverty and um, I wouldn't have been where I am today if it wasn't for strangers, total strangers that helped me along the way with some of my family members by paying my tuition, giving me food when I was hungry, uh, going to schools, coming back, and by uh, just being there for me, buying me shoes and giving me a little bit of everything I needed, so I just figured without those help, I wouldn't have been here today. So I kind of tried to reproduce the same uh, thing that these people in the past did for me, so other people, volunteers, can uh, get involved so we can help as many children as we can and help uh, provide them the need, the means for uh, their for better life. And that's why I started this uh, about ten years ago. And would you ask Sam in French that same question of of what inspired him to do this? And Sam, I'm going to ask you to share it in French for listeners out there who might appreciate hearing it in French. Um. Wesley aimerait savoir pourquoi tu t'intéresses à ce travail à l'éducation des enfants, mais il aimerait que tu peux parler en français 
pour ceux qui sont là, qui écoutent et qui aimeraient aussi entendre cela en français. Merci. Je me suis beaucoup intéressé à ça pour, pour deux bonnes raisons. Euh, la première raison, c'est qu'on ne peut pas construire un pays sans l'éducation des enfants. Euh, l'éducation des enfants est la fondation d'un pays. Un pays qui veut bouger, un pays qui veut grandir, un pays qui veut se développer. Voilà, a besoin que ces enfants soient bien éduqués. Et ce sera ça le soubassement de l'évolution des pays. Et c'était la première raison. La seconde raison, c'est que euh, personnellement, personnellement, j'ai beaucoup d'affection pour les enfants, pour les jeunes des enfants. J'aime voir les enfants s'épanouir, j'aime voir les enfants évoluer. Et je pense que les deux raisons sont suffisantes pour que je porte une main forte à mon épouse qui est pleine dans ça. Et là, il faut que je le précise, il s'agit juste de... Et je, je prête juste une main forte à mon épouse parce que c'est elle la responsable, c'est elle qui est pleine de temps. Et c'est ce que je peux faire pour l'aider. Euh, pour que ça bouge, pour l'aider, pour que ça soit effectif, je n'hésite pas à le faire. Merci. C'est vrai que ce n'est pas, euh, pas un travail pour moi, mais c'est juste le fait que je porte à mon épouse. So, Dr. Amavigne, would you kind of give us a summary of what your husband just shared with us? He, uh, he said he, he got into this work with me for two main reasons. Number one reason, he believes, he strongly believes that education is the uh, children, if, when children are educated, that means the future, they are the future of the, our countries and the future of the world in gen general. So educating uh, ch children will lead to a better future for all of us tomorrow. That is one of his main reasons why he got involved. And his other reason, main reason, he has two main, is that personally he loves children. He loves to see children just enjoy themselves, uh, become educated, and have fun while uh, going to, to the schools and getting their education. So because of that, he get, he want, he helped me. He's helping me as his wife that he, it's really not his job, but because his wife does, is doing that, he's just giving his hand to, he's just giving a support. He's there to support me in my work and that he likes to do that very much. Thank you. This certainly has been and then an interesting trip for me with regards to uh, expanding my cultural diversity and my exposure to cultural diversity. And one of the things that I noticed when we went to the first villages and then it happened in the other villages as well, we had lots of different backpacks. And there were different colors and different styles and different designs. And I noticed that the children didn't necessarily select the backpack that we in America might think would be most appropriate for, say, boys or girls. And is that something that you're aware of or that you notice as well? 
Yes, again, uh, this is Ayele speaking. Um, I was born in this country and raised here uh, for a while before I left. And that's how uh, things uh, happen here. We do not really, as boys and girls, we do not make differences in, uh, in our colors. Like in America where we say pink is for girls and blue is for boys and so on and so forth. We don't really have that. Uh, even myself, growing up here, I was my son was uh, born here. I bought him a pink bag, and uh, he didn't. We didn't really. He wore uh, different colors that girls and boys. We don't have a a, a difference in the choice here. So that's probably something pretty uh, important for people, say in different cultures, to be aware of and to become more familiar with. Now, what types of things did you notice as we were visiting the villages and working with the children? Okay, well, I noticed, again, that they were very excited for us to be there. They um, were certainly appreciative of the work that ILE is doing. Those children are very, very well behaved. I mean, they sit patiently. Some of the villages that we visited, we were running a little behind because um, of various reasons. However, you know, folks were still happy for us to be there. And um, I noticed as well that they weren't concerned about colors, you know, and that's important for us to be aware of um, to become more culturally diverse because we have to recognize that um, everywhere um, in the world is not like America. And sometimes I think we want to fix, fit people into a box when um, we have a whole globe of different cultures and things and it doesn't necessarily have to be what we would expect in America here in Togo. Thank you. And Pat, I know that you are a business owner mm -hmm. back in Las Vegas, and you've shared some of your uh, observations on this trip, uh, particularly things that you have recognized uh, would be important for implementing in your business. Would you uh, care to share with our audience some of the things that you observed uh, during your trip here to Togo? Well, um, everyone is very hardworking. I noticed that where we're staying, I had the opportunity to wake up early and folks are up and out and about. I mean, adults, children, fully dressed, ready to go and do whatever they are doing for the day. So I didn't see, you know, in America we are want to sleep in or whatever. This was even on the weekends as well as the weekdays. So folks are very hard working. I recognize that wherever we went on this trip that they were ready to serve the customer. As soon as you pulled in or walked in, they were ready to serve you where as an you know, the states, we had an experience, Wes, if you would remember, we were in Detroit on our flight here, and we were waiting in the airport at um, 
to check some bags in and there were two employees there and they were having a conversation and they weren't going to finish their conversation until they were finished with their conversation. <laughs> Although we were standing there waiting and they're looking at us and we're looking at them and you know, you can kind of overhear their conversation and it was not work related. Um, but eventually they did come over to service us. Whereas, um, when you're, we, while we've been here in Togo, that's one of the things I noticed that when the customer comes in, they are ready to serve you. Um, so that's something that a business owner probably would want to take in mind back in the States that, you know, our customer's time is their time is not necessarily our time so be customer ready that's what i would say yeah i can appreciate that i i, re- I have seen many times when we were traveling and we would pull off to the side of the road and as soon as we pulled off they were instantly coming to the vehicle ready to provide us with whatever service or product they were uh, peddling or selling or promoting and that certainly is something that probably we could get a little better at in some of our business endeavors in the states uh, one of the things that I'm thinking about that happened we actually took a little side trip to Canada mm-hmm. and we went over we, we were in Detroit we went over into Windsor by the way for those of you who like trivia I will tell you that a little trivia here that Detroit is the only place in the United States where you actually face south to look at Canada. Ah, <laughs> right. So we wanted to cross over and visit Canada, and when we came back, we were coming back to the bridge, and the exit for the bridge was closed, and there were no signs to get us back right. to the bridge. And it really, from from a sensational experience standpoint, it really spoke to me with regards to how important it is that we have signs that cue our customers on what to do. And I actually had this feeling, these these feelings of almost anxiety. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I wonder if business even realizes what anxiety they might be creating in their customers. Did you, I know you had some thoughts about that too. (laughs) Of course, so (laughs) driving along and we were all excited about crossing over that bridge because we took the tunnel in and we were gonna take the bridge back over. And so we're driving along and lo and behold, as you said, the, the bridge was closed and there were no signs of detour. We could see the bridge where we were, but we didn't, have an idea of how to get there after we pass that exit. And because I was driving, I felt even more responsible to get us back over to um, that bridge. So visual cues are extremely important. As, As a business owner, I was having a conversation with someone because my business has now relocated. And um, with that relocation, it even that incident even made it more important to me to be aware of the visual cues when folks enter into my business. They should have some direction and should not have to be confused as to how to get where they're trying to go. 
in a place of business. So that's important. Thanks to our wonderful host, Dr. Aiele, we had the opportunity to visit Benin. And while we were in Benin, we were on the beach. We went to see the port of no return, which is a very reflective location. It is a location where slaves were shipped out and, and taken from Africa uh, by ship to various destinations. One of the things that's happening there now, we had some uh, gentlemen who were uh, selling coconuts. And for me, it was a sensational experience because they had these machetes and they cut the coconuts open. And would either of you care to talk about that or share your experience the, with the coconuts? Right, right. So um, I want to speak to this because it was my first experience. And so <laughs> I wanted to talk about that. It was so amazing to see them um, be so skillful with the machete to cut the coconut open just right so you can drink the coconut water which is very refreshing and then to have them cut it again just perfectly in order for the customer to scoop out the coconut with the part that they cut open so you can enjoy the whole coconut so uh, watching that visually was a sensational experience and enjoying the coconut was the taste was refreshing and it was much different than the coconut water we have it back in the states um, it was the real deal <laughs> so I enjoyed that very much Ayeli do you want to add to that um, I just want to add to it that um, Africa has so many beauties that we don't even know that we take for granted. A lot of the food here, like you say, the coconut, we never, almost never go to a store and buy a coconut water or milk because we get it fresh. Every day we can just go out and get a fresh coconut, like you say, and take the juice and take the the uh, meal, the meal, the meal out of it, scoop the inside and eat it. And um, in uh, America, we actually don't have that. And the people that cut the coconut here, it's something that they've done over and over and over and eventually they get used to it. So they do it as we'll just get in the car. It's to them, it's like us getting in the car and just starting the car and driving away. So they just do it without even thinking. They can cut the coconut open with their eyes closed and not hurt themselves with their machete, with their big knife. And so yeah, it's a great uh, experience to see. So what I hear you saying too is that there's actually a process that's clearly in place and then a lot of practice to get it right. And I, I can only imagine how much practice it takes because part of me was waiting, like, I hope they don't chop their hands off because they're just so talented with how they use the machetes and how they were able to open the coconuts. 
So that was truly a an, 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 a sensational customer experience that yes. these gentlemen Absolutely. have developed for their customers. We don't get a chance to talk a lot about food. It seems to be one of those senses that sometimes business forgets about or forgets about how important it can be, but food certainly was an important component of our visit here to Togo. And I thought I'd just kind of throw out the idea or the, the topic of food and see if anybody had any thoughts that they wanted to share with regards to their food experience. Coming to Togo, um, as my first experience, I was concerned about food because, believe it or not, I'm a very picky eater, even in the States. For anyone who has dined with me will um, not will tell you that I'm just a picky eater, so I was concerned about that. And so um, the food has been a sensational experience as well. I think what's important to know is that I guess my concern wasn't necessarily um, getting sick or anything. It's that I am a picky eater, as I said, so my concern was liking the food. So I won't be shy to say that I did bring some food, so I didn't starve while I was here. Um, but it's just the normal stuff. We ate eggs for breakfast a lot, the, the street bread. Is that the right term? Street bread mm -hmm. was phenomenal. Mm -hmm. I wish we had it in, in the States. And um, some other things that I probably, oh, the bruschetta was something new for me. And um, just a lot of things, the tomatoes and onions, just a beautiful, beautiful experience. But to be honest, very transparent, I didn't like everything that I tried, but I was willing to try it. So I think it's important to respect boundaries. It's not necessarily uh, should be an offense if you don't want to eat something that I think as a business owner, you can't take things personally. If folks have their boundaries, that's fine. It's not necessarily um something to take personally. It probably would behoove any business owner concerning food and the taste sense if you are going to cater to um, a multicultural type audience that you should probably do a lot of research and connect with someone who can give you um, some pointers on whatever it is you're serving. For instance, if I may, Ayeli, you stated that back in the States that they try to pass off bananas for plantains, which they're two different types. And so it's important to know that you can't or shouldn't try to fake it till you make it. It probably would behoove you to just do the research and um, deliver what folks are expecting. I want to express my appreciation to both Dr. Riley and Sam, who both of you uh, introduced me to a lot of different types of restaurant experiences and food experiences. Uh, we had some great fries at one location that Sam <laughs> took us to. We had the opportunity to experience Fufu, which is a Togo staple. staple. Mm -hmm. and experience even uh, my interesting experience was being able to try goat meat 
and I wasn't quite sure about what I would think about the goat meat, but I actually liked it. it had kind of a sweet taste to it, mm -hmm. and I thought it was was very, very uh, good, and I enjoyed that. So, uh, my thanks and my appreciation to both of you for attending to some of my picky food taste, which probably is as an American thing. We're pretty, we're pretty tough, I think, in America when it comes to what boundaries we place around food and and how exploratory we were, are willing to be or experimental we're willing to be with food. So I really appreciate your uh, respecting and putting up with me and my uh, food experience here. And it probably lends itself to overabundance in America because we have food. I mean, people have food. So it's probably one of those things that we take for granted to be so picky. I want to emphasize that this whole experience, doing this great work with the children, has really given me an opportunity to reevaluate some of my thoughts with regards to what sensational experience means. And in closing, uh, this is the part of the show where we come to what I call... Um, that makes sense to me. I'd like each of you to share a couple of your tips or a couple of recommendations that you make uh, to our audience, that you can make to our audience regarding how they can be more sensational in their uh, uh, delivery of experience. And we'll start with, who'd like to go first? Ah, okay, Dr. Ellie. Okay, so first of all, I, I would like to thank the volunteers, you, uh, Wes, and Pat, and we have two other volunteers that left uh, earlier today to go back to the U.S., uh, uh, Eva and Nat Gonzalez. I would like to thank them as well for taking time out, for all of you for taking time out and be here. So that's one of the one of the things that I would like to share is that for people to hear, I want people to hear this and take this into consideration. If uh, you want to do something like this, it will take for you to take time out of your time to maybe take a whole vacation just to come here and not be on a vacation but do this uh, work, this charitable work. It's not just a time, it, all, it also takes money. So you have to take into consideration how much money you're gonna spend here. You're gonna buy your, your plane ticket and do all the shots that are required and pay for your visas to come here all on your own. So it takes a lot of uh, 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 visualizing or, or thinking about everything before you actually throw uh, yourself into it. But it's a very uh, happy feeling. It's, it has, uh, to me personally, I don't know about the other, uh, about Wes or Pat or the other volunteers, but to me uh, personally, it's a happy feeling. Uh, it, it brings happy feeling to us, to me and my husband, to feel, we feel like we're helping, we're serving. We're called to serve, and when we come here and do this work, uh, it's uh, the feeling is great. 
and and uh, for anybody that's out there that want to do something like this just reach out to myself i have an office in las vegas my office uh, address is 2585 south jones boulevard suite 2f as in frank las vegas nevada 89146 I have a, a telephone direct number. I'm also a clinician. I'm a mental health provider. So I have my uh, direct phone at 702-806-9143-702-806-9143. Anybody can reach out or you can go to our website and see the work that we're doing. Uh, uh, Wes, I believe, will share that website with uh, uh, you all during this uh, podcast so yeah I just wanna it's a great work great feelings and I hope I answered the question thank you and yes as you know we do have our episode pages and certainly uh, I do wanna I was gonna wait till the end of the program but I I will take this time now to uh, let you know that you can go to the page and get more information we'll also post some of our photos uh, that we took a lot of photos on this trip and we're going to post some of those photos so that you can see us with the children with the uh, we had pictures with tribal chiefs and other leaders in the tribe uh, in the villages and uh, it was quite a, a an exciting experience we're going to post that so people can see that and also post on their information about how you can either become involved as a volunteer and do what Pat and I did coming here and actually hands-on doing the work. Uh, but if that's not your thing, you also have an opportunity where you can also uh, sponsor uh, the program and, and through donations help with the work as well. That information will also be on the episode page. We have 14, we have 14 schools that we are currently serving, 14 schools. We have children's in 14 different schools in uh, West Africa and in Benin as well, Togo and Benin that we're currently serving. That's just magnificent. Uh, Pat, do you have anything that you'd like to uh, share as a recommendation or a strategy that uh, based now on what you've experienced and what you've uh, learned from this trip that you would like to share with the audience? Yes, I totally have enjoyed this experience here in Togo and working with Hidden Talent. As Aeli has already stated, it is a beautiful work and it is a great thing that she's developed and is working on to help the children here in all of the villages that Hidden Talent serves. And I, you know, I share with her earlier that I love the name Hidden Talent and she shared with me that folks will think it's some kind of um, entertainment when you say the word talent but it is the talent that is within a child that may not get discovered if there's not someone there um, to help develop it and bring it out as she shared her story earlier. So I'm just glad to be here. Um, My role as a business owner, it has definitely 
given me some new ideas and experiences to um, take back home and give my clients and customers a better sensational experience um, as a customer at 702 RC Raceway. And we'll also be sure to include information on the episode page about 702 RC Raceway. Uh, If you're interested in the hobby of race cars, this is a hobby that certainly uh, can be of interest to you. They have a great track. In fact, isn't it one of the largest tracks in the West? On the West Coast, indoor. It's one of the largest indoor. Is it the largest? The largest. It is the largest indoor uh, track for hobbyists of uh, RC race cars. So we'll have some pictures. We'll put that on there as well and, and information on how to access that. And finally, Sam, do you have some tips or pointers that you'd like to share with the audience with how they might be more sensational in their delivery of service? And Dr. Ayala, if you'd like to translate that for him and Yes. Put it in French, that would be great too. Sure. sure. Yes. Uh, il aimerait, uh, Wes aimerait savoir uh, quelle recommandation tu as pour l'audience uh, concernant les, les sens. Uh, les, les sens hidden talent. Oui, concernant hidden talent et en général, quelle uh, recommandation tu as Peut-être un peu de. Ceux qui vont venir ici, quelles recommandations? Ok, merci. Euh, je vais dans un premier temps témoigner toute, toute notre gratitude à Wes, à Pat, à Nat, à Eva, d'être là ces vacances-ci pour euh, cet homme. Euh, au-delà du Togo, je crois que c'est à l'évolution de toute l'humanité que vous contribuez. Voilà. Euh, quand on aide un enfant, parce qu'aujourd'hui tous les enfants appartiennent à toute l'humanité, quand on aide des enfants, je crois qu'on est dans l'évolution de toute l'humanité. I'm going to translate that first. He said he would like to thank uh, you, uh, Wes, Pat, Eva, and Nat for being here, for taking time out of your time for being here and for doing this work. And he also said, uh, beyond Togo, that you're doing a, a great work that's going to go beyond the Togo, meaning the students that we're helping today, they're not just going to grow up and help here in Togo. I grew up here, but I don't help here. I'm a mental health provider myself. He didn't say that part, but I'm just adding to it. That's an example. I serve my clients, uh, American, and my uh, uh, employees. Uh, I employ uh, people, they're American. So that's what he mean by your work is beyond total, and uh, uh, yes. For a school year in for you for to buy uh, school supplies to buy school supplies for uh, a student to pay for tuition. You cannot imagine the joy that you bring into a, a family here. Et je suis convaincu que que ces enfants que vous aidez demain ils vous seront reconnaissants. Et juste pour dire euh, pour que ça évolue, euh, je pense que votre présence, si vous avez constaté sur le terrain, 
votre présence a été très importante. Votre présence a prouvé combien vous étiez aux côtés de, de la Fondation Radical. And he said uh, he would like really to thank you for that. And also your presence, uh, you being here, uh, has meant a lot to the to us, to the foundation, and being around us and being able to see some of the things and do some of the things has been a, a very good uh, uh, for us. That we like that very much. Voilà, en, en venant en Afrique, en venant au Togo, vous saurez vous-même ce qu'est l'Afrique, ce qu'est le Togo. Euh, ce ne sera pas seulement sur les médias que vous allez connaître les pays africains. Yeah, you, for you being here now, at least you know what really Togo look like or, or sound like and what Africa is about. At least a little bit, you know. So it's not only going to be the things that you see on the news that are going to educate you about Togo or about Africa. Prochainement, juste pour vous dire que votre présence, vous serez toujours les bienvenus à l'OB. Vos amis, vos parents, vous serez tout le monde, vous serez toujours les bienvenus. Et c'est ensemble que nous allons construire cette humanité. He said that uh, from now on, uh, for the next time, you are very welcome here again to come back again. Your family members, your friends, everybody is welcome to come here. That uh, it, it's only together that we are going to be able to build humanity. Thank you. And thank you. Uh, I think that is some great closing comments that it's only together that we can build humanity. And I really appreciate that, Sam, that that is some important uh, messaging for anyone in the customer experience, client experience, uh, in the human experience business. I have one more thing to add. Oh, sure. And uh, I would like to add something that I always uh, uh, come across. People always tell me when I'm raising money, when, uh, when we as an organization, when we start raising money to come to Africa to do the work that we do, some people sometimes make comments uh, like as, oh, we have a lot of kids here that need help. Why should we help uh, kids that we don't even know? They're all the way in Africa and other continent. I always say uh, I am not a Togolese, I am not a Beninese from Benin, I'm not an American, I am a citizen of the world. And we as a citizen of the world, because we don't know where we're going to end. I was born in this country in a tiny little village, but I didn't know that I was going to end up in Las Vegas in America. Uh, since 2000, between 2014 and 2018, I employ over 30 Americans. So children that we help here today, that we help with education, with transportation, with anything, we don't know. Those children might be our children's, our great-grandchildren's teachers tomorrow, 
or workers tomorrow or employers tomorrow. So we just, as humanity, like Sam said earlier, we just have to help without even thinking or without making a distinction. Oh, these are another continent. These are Americans. We can just give without thinking about, without making a, a distinction. Thank you. And thank you for your comments. Well, that brings to a close this interview, our first international, our first bilingual episode of the show. And I want to thank my guest, uh, Sam Labonte and Dr. Aieli Amavigan and Patricia Betty for sitting down with me here in Togo. We're in Lomé, Togo, and having a conversation about sensational customer experiences. And should you be interested in participating in this yourself, the next trip here will be in August of 2019. That information will be posted on the episode page for this episode at sensationalcustomerexperiences.com. I encourage you to go check it out and seriously consider this as an opportunity. You're not only going to find that you'll be benefiting the villages and the children, but you'll also be benefiting yourself in ways that are unimaginable to be able to even put in words. So thanks to all of my guests. Thank you. And we'll meet up next week. For free tips, resources, and information, visit SensationalCustomerExperiences.com, your premier experience brand brought to you by Training for Results, located in the sensory capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada. Until next time, remember, if you can sense it, your customers can too.